0: Welcome to the Trade Mastermind Podcast. Adam, yeah, you were a, such a big help to me um, in, my, uh, in, my, um, in my business career. You know, when things were going wrong with Impra... Adam was probably one of the only people that was there for me to be able to have my back and give me great advice. And I've told this story to many of you before. It's all well and good when things are going well in business, but if things go wrong in business, you need solid mentors that have got your back and they can look after you and they can tell you what to do. And when things aren't going so well, having that person there to be able to speak to and guide you and make you feel good was so invaluable. And I don't think you know how much that actually helped me for a a very, very difficult time in my life. Um, So I just want to say thank you very much for that. And um, I really, really appreciate it. Again, sometimes you don't know the impact that you've had on people's lives and you really, really helped me um, get back on track. And Adam was also um, that spark that I needed um, to... Um, start a new business because um, Adam kind of mentored me to a level on the personal development industry. He got me to speak at his events. He brought me along to his events, and I started to understand the model. So a big part of being here today is all thanks to you. Um, so thank you very much.
1: Made me go red. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Big round thanks, of applause. I just want yeah.
0: you to know that I am really sorry that the aircon's not on. It's going to get That's quite hot over is. here. No um, excellent, Adam. So um, I want to just go straight to um, the rich house. Poorhouse House I'm go there, yeah. um, experience, and <laughs> yeah. I want to start there because you changed somebody's life on that show, um, and I want you to just tell us a little bit about that experience, what it was like for you, how good it was for your business, because Kevin was talking about <laughs> getting on TV and how that changed things, you told me in the break, so if we could start there, that'd be amazing.
1: Yeah, absolutely, so Rich House, Poor House, a uh, bit of a story be- behind it, it wasn't the first show that I'd done, a few years before I'd done a, a programme called Million Pound Motors on Channel 4. Uh, where they followed me around one of my businesses, and they followed the journey of us selling um, high-level performance cars. And during that, that million-pound motors, we re- i really sort of understood the power of TV. One thing I've realised is actually I really enjoyed it. It was a ton of fun. Like I really enjoyed the process. Um, I am somebody that was awful, terrible at school. Never got any grades in school. There's only one grade I got, and that was in. Drama, I've got a B. Everything else was a U. So I might tell you saying I like the, like the limelight a little bit. Maybe not as much as Joseph, but I do like it a bit, right? <laughs> so I go and do this uh, TV show, uh, Million Pound Motors. I had a fantastic time. And that was my first experience and understanding actually of branding and what the power of building a brand is like. And, and really the way that I like to describe branding is, rather than you being the beekeeper chasing the bees, you become the honey and the bees come to you, right? So it's attraction marketing, it's building a brand so people start to be attracted to you rather than you chasing them. I think it's really, really important. I really learned that through doing that first show. So quite a few years later when Rich House, Poor House came up, um, I had just actually split up with uh, my long-term partner at the time, the uh, mother of my son, and they'd been asking me for years and years and years to come do this show. I, I live in, a, luckily enough, I've had some ups and downs, and I'm happy to share all about that as well. But luckily enough, I've been able to you know, purchase a, a nice house along the way, and I've got a, uh, a, a house on a private lane in Essex, the most expensive road in, in Essex. And it's a you know, rather large house. So they are constantly like... It's I've a been, very nice house. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <it's> very, <laughs> so I've got nice people house. knocking at my door and people sending me letters saying, we want you on this show, we want you on this show. Don't know who I am at that point. But they've been asking me for ages... And every time this letter comes through, my ex is hiding it because she don't want to be on it. She hates the limelight. And then one day I find it and I'm like, oh, I want to do this. And she's like, absolutely not. No way, no way, no way. And then we split up. And then I've, a few days later, <coughs> when one door closes and one opens, <laughs> get one of these letters through the post saying we want to do this show. So I was like, all oh, right, I'm going to ring them. So I rang them up and they said, do you want to do the show? I said, yeah. And they said, well, do you want to know more about it? I said, not really. <laughs> he said... Are you sure you want to do it? I'm like, yeah, of course I do. I said, all right, we'll send the producers round. And they said I was the quickest person ever in history to agree to do this show. Now, maybe that was, I didn't know I was lining myself up for, I don't know. Um, but anyway, I agreed to do this show. Then I came in the next day to my team, my marketing team. and I'm like, hey, yeah, we're, uh, we're doing this show. It's gonna be really good. And they all, just their faces were horrified. Like, you can't do that. They were laughing at me, you can't do that. And the reason I tell you this is whenever you try to do anything, you're always going to get everyone around you to tell you why you can't do it, why you shouldn't do it, why you shouldn't take the opportunity. And, like, literally, everyone's telling me, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Anyway, I do it anyway. So the experience is amazing. I go out, do the experience. Uh, they, and, and the funny thing is, it was actually, at the time, because I'd moved out because I'd split up with my ex and i moved back in, I was living with a friend of mine, and his name was uh, Phil, really, really, really great friend of mine. And I said, got no one to do it with because you need someone to go on this show with, right? So I said, Phil, Phil, do you want to do it with me? He went, oh, what's it like? Asked a million questions. Now, I'm a big believer in say yes, take the opportunity, worry about the details later. You know, a lot of the time, 99% of the time, not always, but a lot of the time. Um, And he's like, he just wouldn't come back to me and tell me if he'd do it. So that was like the stumbling block. And then eventually, he comes back to me and says, I don't know if I can take a week off work. And I was just like, oh my God. And and like small mindset a lot of the time. So anyway, I'm rushing around trying to find someone to do it with because they're starting filming in two weeks. No one wants to do it with me. So in the end, I asked my dad and I wrote my dad into it. And uh, he was horrified that he said, I'll do it for you. So he came on and we did it together. Anyhow, we went and did the show. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, They moved me out. They drove me out to the middle of nowhere in Woolwich. And literally there was this tiny um, little two-bedroom. And and really it's not two-bedroom, but almost like a one-bedroom flat. And it turned out that there was a mother of three children, with three children. Mother, three children living in this flat. The husband had passed away. They had absolutely nothing. They had 70 pounds per week to live, um, to live on, to th- feed three children, live in this flat. She was under immense pressure, um, and was really, really struggling, really, bless her, she was really struggling in a big way. And they got me, and I had to go on this journey to find out about how she was living. And as I go on this journey, I find out that she runs a, a tennis school for, uh, for children for free. So not only is she bringing up her three children, she's also running this tennis. Um, in addition to that, she's running a charity. So every night, her and the three children, people are dropping toys off. And instead of the three children getting toys, they've got no money, they're putting these toys into boxes and send them out to our home country in Sierra Leone. Um, and it was very humbling. And then, and then eventually I went to a church, and it turns out she's running events for a church, and she's just doing all these things for other people. And I sort of, it was a good time for me to sort of go through that experience because I think that obviously I just, my life was changing at that point. And for me to just sort of see some different things, it really did have an impact on mm. me and it changed me in a big way. And I loved it, and I really enjoyed it. Then I got to meet her. At the end of the, at the, end of the show, so I did two, two episodes I did, um, and the first episode I did at the end of the show, I said to her, I'll partner with you, but only if you focus. Right? you have to focus. I'm a massive, like one of the things for me is focus. You have to focus, like I'm, I, that's really what I think is really important for an entrepreneur. If you're dealing with eight things, usually seven of them are bad, and one's good, and the other seven are putting the one good, one down, right? And she's got all these things going on in her life. So I got to Focus, and I, I partnered with her, and we took a business. We took her from 70 pound a week within three months to um, having a business at 1,000 pound a week. So she went on to build a 52,000 pound a year business, and then from there we took her to over 100,000 pounds a year very quickly, and it's the, uh, in the history of the show. Just give him a round
0: of applause for that. Absolutely did. amazing. Yeah.
1: In the history of the show, they've never ever done an episode and a success story in the same season. Usually they do it two, three years later. My episode was the only one that have ever done it in the same season. So episode one and episode 12. Episode one where I met her, six months later where she had her own kitchen, she's doing 100,000 a year in sales, her life had changed and transformed. And, and also, I'm not saying it's down completely to me, she was a very driven woman just the drive was going everywhere. It wasn't channeled, right? As soon as we got her to channel and focus, she was actually able to put her energy into something that could provide for her, and I needed to change that mindset to get to understand that, look, we, we all want to make a difference in people's lives, we want to give back, but we can't build on shaky ground. We've got to get you solid. We've got to look after you first before you can start looking after other people. And once we got her to understand that, then she was able to grow and, and do very well. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was what the show was all about. So amazing, yeah.
0: amazing story, and I watched both episodes, and I thought it was, I thought it was yeah. incredible. Thank you.
1: And um, you know, so.
0: Um, Other than it just being a great story and a great thing that you did, um, you know, and a good personal journey from a business point of view, it really, really helped you. And I was saying that Kevin said that, you know, he did a decade in business and um, his business was plodding along and he hadn't really started to scale up until the point that he spent a load of money on TV advertising and it really built his brand and got his exposure. You've been indirectly able to do that from a commitment rather than paying for it. So how important was it to... Uh, how, how, how um, beneficial was that TV show to your business? Oh
1: yeah, Ma- massively, massively, massively beneficial. Um, you know, for me in building a business, there's really, there's six elements, right? So if success was a cake, right? The ingredients are these six elements. Number one is you as the business owner, right? We have to get, we have to work on, on you as an individual, you as a person, that is the first thing. If your mindset is limited, if your decision-making process is slow, if you're not willing to take risks, if you're not willing to move forward, we've got to manage you. That is what I call the foundation, the building block, right? That's number one. Uh, The second one is if no one knows you and you have not mastered your marketing, if you have no way of getting yourself out to market and you don't work on your marketing, you can have the best product or service in the world. If no one knows about it, you ain't doing no business. Right? You don't want to be the world's best-kept secret. So the second element is marketing, and you have to master marketing. The third element is sales. You have to be able to sell. You know, I know that a lot of you in this room are construction businesses, and I think it's a huge advantage for you to be able to sell because a lot of construction businesses that I've trained, that I've seen, that I've mentored, that is something that's missing. And as soon as we can bring that salesman, ethical selling, and selling in a way that serves that will add a massive dimension to your business. Very, very important. The third one is business strategy. You have to get your business model right. You have to understand what your business model is. The fourth one is numbers and finance. You've got to know your numbers. And then the fifth pillar. So the base is you. And then the five pillars. The fifth pillar is branding, building a brand. You have to. In today's world, it's not what you know. Now, who's heard that saying? It's not what you know, it's what? Who you know. Yeah, that's over now. It's not what you know, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. And if no one knows you, and you're not building that brand, then you're missing opportunities. So we've got to build you as an individual. You've got two brands. You've got your business brand, and you've got your personal brand. And we have to build that personal brand as well. Now some people are like, hey, yeah, yeah, but I don't want to do that. I'd rather sit behind the scenes. I don't really want anyone to know me. The bottom line is this. They're gonna know you anyway. Because anyone that wants to do business with you, they're gonna go and look you up. So they can either see nothing, or they can actually go and find things that you want them to see, right? Which is you creating that brand, creating that profile. So even if you hate the idea of being known, and even if you hate the idea of building a personal brand, you've still got to do it. Because if you want to get funding, if you want to do deals, or you want to meet important people, they're always going to look you up. They're going to want to know who you are. It's one of the first things they're going to do. So from a, the TV show, from that perspective, there's no better branding. It is the pinnacle. It is the pinnacle of branding. You know, I have, like you said, shared the stage with massive people worldwide. I have spoken on stages in South Africa to 5,000 people. I've done, spoken in all over America, I've done tours in America. There is no branding like TV. There is no branding like TV. You know, if you wanna run a, a TV ad and you want it national and you want it out there to everybody, you know, you're talking big money, right? Now if you look at that, let's say you spend 100 grand in the development and the placing of that ad and everything else. Now look at a reality TV show, you don't get one minute, you get 60 minutes, you get a narrative and you get a story. Mm. So what's that worth? I mean that is worth millions of pounds to you. I'll give you an example, after I did that show, I immediately had over 3,000 inquiries of people wanting one-to-one coaching, mentoring, I had to put wait list on all of my programs because I was just inundated. Now when I did the second episode, I had even more, right? Because when they saw the success, they're like, this woman's like literally, it was, it's like a transformation in someone's eyes. They just couldn't believe it. You know, we had like 6,000 inquiries. And, and it just, we're talking about millions mm-hmm. and millions and millions in revenue. So there is nothing like that. I mean, I'll, I'll be a big testament that it's huge. And, and this is the thing, you know, I'd do anything. <laughs> and I like I know it sounds about, probably you'd probably do more, right? <laughs> but, you know, like, I, I, would, I would throw my hat into the ring for a few things. So I, d- I had Paul uh, Paul Carrick Brunson, which is the host of Married at First Sight and Slebs Go Dating, um, who's become a friend of mine. He was on my podcast originally. Built a good relationship with him. And he's like, Adam, we'll, we'll get you on this next episode of Married at First Sight. I was like, I'm up for it. And then I forgot that I just met another girl. And I was like, uh, I don't know that's going to go down, but I would have done it. Do you know what I mean? Like I would have been like, okay, well, because I'm, you know, life's about taking opportunities, isn't it? You know, so, and, f- and some people see that as popcorn, right, or would see it like that. But the more you get none, mm. the more opportunities you'll get. The more opportunities you get, the more wealth you'll build. We're talking about wealth here. The more your business will grow. The more people want to work with you. You know, the more... Um, investment that you can get, depending on what your aspirations are, right? I guess you've all got different aspirations. But I believe the topic is about wealth, right? Yeah, exactly right. So if you want to create more wealth, then you're going to do that through people, and that really is the element. Wealth is created through Mm -hmm. people and creating relationships and creating opportunities. And in order to create wealth, you need to be around wealthy people. And being around other wealthy people, when you get known the door just flies open. Mm. Anyone take your phone call, anyone to take your meeting. It's just opportunities, it's just the pathway is clear. So from a branding aspect and building a brand and becoming more well-known, very, very important.
0: Excellent, who in the room is trying to build a personal brand or wants to build a personal brand? Raise your hands. Yeah, amazing stuff. After what Adam said, who in the room wants to build a personal brand? <laughs> yeah? yeah, everybody, Scott, hands up, yeah? <laughs> Best known wins.
1: Yeah. You know, and I think
0: one of the things that you said was if you want to do business with good people, the first thing they're going to do is look you up personally we're in a social media world. If they can't find you and what you are and who you're about, who's the person behind the business? How much more personal is business now that it once was? I think you can be your own personality. He says, sat here in a pink suit um, <laughs> and um, not shy away from that. Uh, you know, unless you're extremely corporate and you're hiding behind yeah. the scenes, but you know, you can be that personality. And I think people
1: buy into that personality a lot more and um, be who you are, Yeah. you know, be, be who you are like i am the same no matter where i am i'll always be whether i'm sitting here whether you see me out there whether you see me on anything i'm the same Whether i'm doing a podcast whatever i am the same and that's the best way to be just be yourself because people just be attracted and, and joseph is who he is like i, I, I would probably wouldn't be wearing a pink suit but it suits him perfectly right you know and when i walked in this morning i was laughing because i see him a mile before he <laughs> even walked into before i walked into the i see him from about a mile down the road, I knew he was over there. I could hear him, you know? Like, <laughs> but, but that's the thing, that's who he is. And, and, and this is the thing, like, some people be worried about that and they'd be worried about, do I wanna be that well-known? But you know what? Even if it gets people curious about you, mm. it's a conversation starter, a conversation opener. But when I say build a personal brand, I don't mean go and be, go and be someone you're not. I mean, take who you are and just put it out there. And, and just trust that the right people will be attracted to it. And the wrong people won't. And that's what you got. To, the only thing you've got to get comfortable with is that, you know, is you will never, ever please everybody. Not everybody will like you. That will never, ever happen. You know, it just can't happen mm-hmm. um, because of the way society is. But if you just take who you are and you are comfortable and you put that out there in the right way, you will bring opportunities back to you. And the right people will come to you. You know, the right people will come.
0: Amazing, fantastic, great advice. You know, branding is not something that we've talked about on the Millionaire Mastermind um, yet, but it's something that's so, so important. And um, one of the things that Adam said to me um, uh, a few moments ago when we had a chat in, in his room, and we we're just talking about marketing, I was saying, look, I want to scale, I want to grow, and um, Adam was saying how much he spends on marketing, he has, um, uh, our, business, our business model is similar to Adam's, and um, it made me realize that, wow, I don't feel like I'm spending anywhere close to enough and I'm spending five times the amount I'm currently spending. And I thought I was spending um, a, an, a good amount of money. So um, getting attention um, is extremely important, you know, getting attention. And if you want to grow your business, people have got to know who you are. Um, you know, and I think marketing is something that everybody going in this room is really starting to explore and understand more. Um, so um, is there a rule of thumb for you that you work on that's a percentage of spend against turnover? I know every business is different, but is there a guide that you could give that people should be laying out?
1: Yeah, so we were talking marketing, right? Yeah, so marketing, marketing, spend. Okay. yeah. So what we have to look at when it comes to your marketing is there's a few different things to understand, right? The first thing is you want to be doing what we call performance marketing, That's what you wanna be looking for, performance-based marketing. So performance marketing is all about client acquisition, acquiring customers, right? A lot of people, when they think marketing, they think brand awareness. Now brand awareness is actually the lowest level. Someone can know who you are. Don't mean they're gonna do business with you, right? We want more than that. We want to go levels above that. And then you've got brand preference, they prefer to do business with you, et cetera, et cetera. So you want performance marketers, people that can go out, and get clients for your business. Now, the cost aspect, and there is a scientific formulation which is called CAC scoring, which is something I was taught by Sarah Willingham from Dragon's Den. She really showed me uh, an amazing way of scaling businesses based on the CAC score of a business, which would be too complex for me to iron out here and now. But what I will tell you is this, we need to understand when you acquire a client, you need to understand how much that acquisition is gonna be so when you, whenever a client comes into your business, how much do you make? Then we need to understand, how much do you make in 30 days, 90 days? How much do you make in 12 months? How do you make in 24? How much do you make in 36? Now the reason people don't spend enough money on marketing is they don't understand timelining in marketing. When you understand timelining, what you can then do is you can say, right, okay, well I need to put this money out to get this money back after 30 days and then I'll get this after 90, and then I'll get this after 120, and then I'll get this after two years, and three years. So that's lifetime value. Mm. So I'll give you, I'm gonna break this down in an easy way. So let's take something like a, a business, like a beauty salon, right? So, funnily enough, my, 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 new, my new girlfriend has a beauty salon. And when I was helping her with her business, one of the things that she didn't understand is, hey, look, if I go out to market, it costs me 100 quid, to get somebody to actually get a conversion in the salon to get them to have a facial or a massage, or it cost me 100 quid to do it. I'm like, fantastic, well that's great. She's like, no it's not. I spent 100, they paid 100. And that's where most people go wrong, right? I said, yeah, but how long do you keep your clients for? Well, on average, 24 months. So, and how often do they purchase per year? Well, you know, at least every two months, if not every month, right? So what you're telling me is you're spending 100 pounds to make 2,400 if they come back every month for two years. So if you can swap 100 for 2,400, then my dear, you're on a winner, right? So we have to understand the timelining, and that's how we we scaled our business from like 90 grand to half a million like that, just by understanding that one thing, right? So once you understand the timelining of a business, and and it's very, very important, so once Mm -hmm. you understand the client acquisition cost, the timeline, and the return on investment. yeah. So that's how you scale the Mm market, right? So if you say we're spending 50 grand a month, if you want to spend 100000 a month, there's only two things you need to know. Right? One, what's the cash flow of that hundred grand coming back? And two, what does that hundred grand per month create for you over the period of time? So then it gets into the, into the numbers. I'm not losing you here, am I? Is that too so you're getting it? Raise your hand if you're getting it so I'll make sure I'm all right? Yeah, good. Okay, cool. You know, because yep. that's, that's the way you look at it. Mm -hmm. And I think that most people, when they think about marketing, they say, oh, I've got to do some social media posts, I've got to do a couple of videos. No, your job as a marketer is to get your message in front of the target audience. Who is the target marketer you're trying to reach? And your job is to get your message in front of them and create a conversion. And what does that cost you? That's the question you want to be able to answer. Because once we know the answer to that question, we can scale beyond belief.
0: Amazing, great advice. So um, uh, for business owners in the room then that want to generate leads and they want to build brand, um, what would be um, kind of the go-to platform that you would say is working the best for your business now from a paid advertising point of view? So I think- Where should they be spending their money Are we
1: mainly construction businesses in the room? Is it mainly, is that where we're at? Majority. Majority majority construction businesses, okay. So I think that, I'll give you a few like, basic rules of what I would do, right? So the first thing that I would do, number one, is you need to make sure that you are test, 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 test. It's all about testing. What you're looking for is one route, initially. One route to market. And what I mean by that is, the reality is the medium doesn't matter. If you acquire your clients by direct mail, If you acquire your clients by buying databases, doesn't matter, if you acquire your clients by Facebook ads, YouTube ads, none of that really matters. What matters is, have you got a consistent way of acquiring clients? So the way that you, what you do to start off is you have to test. And that means you spend small amounts of money in different areas to establish whether you're reaching your target market. So you might spend a thousand pound testing direct mail. You might spend 1,000 pound billboard ads. You might spend 1,000 pound Facebook ads. You might spend 1,000 pound YouTube ads. And then you, you see what data, what return was produced off the 1,000 pounds in the different areas. Then you're gonna get a feel for what, what is the, where is the message actually getting out to the target market. After you've tested and you've started to understand whether what's gonna work, your next step is to then increase spend and make sure that that works at scale. So then you'd take the 1,000 pounds that you spent on Facebook ads, you'd turn it into 2,000 and you'd contrast the result. And then you would measure, I spent 2,000, I got two clients, and from the two clients, we made 8,000. Now you've got a four to one return. Does that make sense to everybody? So what do you do? You spend 8,000 and then you get a bigger return. And then you keep scaling in that way whilst measuring. And that's the really the way to do it. But what you're looking for what a lot of people do when it comes to their marketing is they get really confused and they go, oh, I've got to be on YouTube, I've got to be on Facebook, i now got to be on TikTok, I've got to be here, I've got to be there, and all of a sudden they move into this position like overwhelmed. It's like, oh, I've got so much to do. Anyone ever felt like that? Yeah? All <laughs> right. so you don't actually need to, do, you've got to look at marketing in simplistic form of how do I, so for, this is the basics. Who's your client? You've got to know that. Who is the person you're trying to reach? It's not about spraying a message out. You know, it's like giving, if if you're, the way that you market your business is to give a chimpanzee a machine gun, and a chimpanzee comes in and goes, bang, 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 bang. You're not hitting anyone, right? It's just spraying a message out. You might hit one person by accident. You need to be more sniper than that. Who is the client? Then you've got to build a message that resonates with that client. The way you build a message that resonates with the client is you say, hey, what pain are the, these people in? So this is the client I want. So I don't know, let's take an example. Let's say you want to sell extensions, right? So I want to sell extensions. I want people that have got planning for extensions and they want to build these extensions. That's my target market, okay? So what pain are they in? What's the pain around it? Well, they're probably worried right now about how they're going to, uh, might be worried about all the mess that it's going to create. They might be worried about how long it's gonna take. They might be worried about how much disruption they're gonna have. They might be worried there's gonna be all this mess everywhere, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we're establishing their pain. What's the gain? Then you establish their gain. The gain is, well, their home's gonna be beautiful now. They're gonna be in a space that's bigger. They're gonna be in a place where they walk in and it feels like home. So now we've got the pains, we've got the gains, and we know who we want. So we go out to that person with a pain-gain message, and we, we get the inquiry. And that's how you resonate with them. So who's the market? What's the magnetic message? And which medium do you take the magnetic message to the client in? That's how you do it. And that will work for any business. And I've done it thousands of times for all different businesses that process.
0: Brilliant, thank you very much. Nice to see so many notes being taken. So very, very educational <laughs> and informative, my man. So um, really good stuff. Okay, cool. So um, when you start making money in your business, Um, and you want to create wealth. This is called the Millionaire Mastermind because we want to become multi-millionaires, billionaires, trillionaires. (laughs) Um, Where do we start putting that money?
1: Can I ask a question first? Go for it. Can I ask a question? Because I think this will be really, really interesting. How many in the room are here because you want to be a millionaire? Maybe you are, or that's the kind of aspiration you want to be a millionaire. Raise your hands and that's it. Fabulous. And I've got a really interesting question. How many of you want to actually be a billionaire? Raise your hands. Okay, wow, so you've got a very, very ambitious group. I actually love that, because a lot of the time in a per- personal development room, people won't even put their hand up for that. Like, genuinely, they haven't got the bottle. Well, that shows you created a good atmosphere, bec- in terms of a trusting atmosphere, because you want to have that comfort to say, yeah, I want that, mm-hmm. and that's, the f- that's step number one, right? Because you've got to know it in your head before it happens, yeah? So, I'll let you finish the question. <laughs> but I, just, I was really intrigued. I wanted yeah. to understand you a little bit more, right? Yeah, so, um, so uh,
0: what was the question? So um, you start making some money, right, yep. and you want to build wealth. Um, one, of the, one of the things that um, really started to strike me probably, I don't know, 24 month, 12 months ago, 24 months ago, um, was about opportunity vehicles and understanding the opportunity vehicle that you're in understanding a business um in a certain sector in a certain market can only take you so far you know you know my story with impra and i tried to dominate the world with one strategy one business model and um you know that was the first business i ever built national business eight figure business but i tried to take it probably too big i would say um so knowing that um, and, and after running this business and building this business to a multi-million-pound business and seeing the returns and the profit and the way that it operates, how it's it's, it's, it's not easier, but it's better yeah. than the other business. Like how do you know when in your eyes to continue to take the money that you've got and reinvest it into the same business or when do you realize that that business has served its time in terms of growth and profitability and it's either time to exit or it's time to start using that money to fund a bigger opportunity vehicle so you can get to the next level because all the will in the world there are not many multi-millionaire hairdressers right so yeah. there's only you're only going to go so far um, with a hair salon and if you are and scale the salons based on what you sell the service for can it cover the overheads in most cases not not many people have been able to do it right okay. um so when i know it's a very complex kind of way that i've fun. asked that That's question but hopefully right. you understand what i'm trying to say
1: so if you want to be a billionaire it's a very different answer to if you want to be a millionaire very very different answer because uh, because there are I, did, I john caldwell my podcast last week he's one of only 56 british born billionaires right? And that's mass market. He's the guy product. who built phones for you, yeah, right? phones for you. So, got into the phone industry at the time, went out, scaled that, right? And that was, he got into the right market at the right time with a product that we, every single one of you in this room owns, right? And every single one of you carries. And an incredibly mass market appeal. So if you want to be a billionaire, the opportunity vehicle mm-hmm. is pretty much everything. Because you ain't going to become a billionaire doing paper clips, you know. You ain't going to be uh, become a billionaire doing paper mache puppets, right? The vehicle matters. But actually becoming a millionaire is actually a lot more simple than that. It's much, much, much more simple. Or, you know, and then there's millionaire. So do, are we talking here millionaire as in million in revenue business? Are we talking paper millionaire in assets? Or are we talking million pound in the bank, right? Because, Let's say million pound in the bank. Okay, so million pound in the bank. Um, so million pound in the bank through business or through wealth creation? Well once you start well
0: how once you start making money in your business, let's say you're making a hundred thousand a year yeah. and you've come to realise that business is making you a hundred grand a year and there's no point scaling it any further, it won't scale. So I'm getting a hundred grand a year. So what do I do now? Where do I take that money? Okay. Where do I put that money?
1: So I would say look, I'll I I'll i will I give you a bit of background of how I'd, I think it's the easiest way for me Go to for do it. so give yeah. a bit of background, right? So when I was, if I, got, if I take you back to when I was a young lad and I was 16 years old, I used to write everything down, I used to write my notes down, and what, ha- what happened to me is where the ambition had been created, and I'm a big believer in being self, self-aware, right? So where the ambition had been created for me to be a millionaire was that my, in the 90s my dad lost everything, and we used to have nice houses, nice cars, we had everything, right? In the 90s, he lost it all, lost everything. And we went from being a reasonably well-off family um, to my mum and me and my two brothers living in a transport cafe, um, literally in a transport cafe. So we were in the back. My mum used to get up at 5 a.m. in the morning, serve lorry driver's breakfast, get us to school, pick us up from school, do absolutely everything, right? So for me, I'd had a lot, and then I'd had nothing, right? And then I also still had friends that I used to go to school with that had a lot. So I had this kind of drive created in me from a very young age that I wanted to make money, right? And that was my mentality. So what actually happened is at that age, I was about 16, I started to get big dreams. I wanted to start to do more. And I remember writing down, I want to be a millionaire on a piece of paper. I remember my older brother and one of his friends, Alex, finding this piece of paper and ridiculing me for this ambition. Now, the first thing there is, you can either listen to my big brother, Alex, and uh, Mark, and Alex, and you can let that affect you, and you can not go and ch- achieve anything, you can take that as fuel. And I decided to take that as a fuel. So when I went out, I started doing more, I started, started going faster, and I started really knuckling down and working hard. By the time I was 19, I was working at Ford, and I was only 75,000 pounds a year at 19, selling cars, that's how I started. And I remember telling two people I really respected, one sat next to me a guy called Terry, the other one sat next to me called Brad. I said to both of them, well, I'm gonna be a millionaire one day. And I remember them both laughing at me in hysterics, like literally. And I thought, like, because other people just don't think like you think. So the first thing I wanna kinda of make you aware is how you think if you put your hand up to that question is probably different to a lot of other people think. And I remember that, and, but this is what happened. So I left Ford at 21 because I, like, I ain't going to be a mini- millionaire here, earning 75 grand a year. then I went over, I worked for Ams there, so I worked for Allen Sugar's company, nice. leasing private jets, made even less money. Then I moved and I went to BMW and I started making 100 grand a year by the time I was 21, 22. Um, I got to about £120,000 a year working at BMW and I made a decision, I ain't going to be a millionaire working here. I wanted to be a millionaire by the age of 30. So I left that, uh, that business at 24 and I started my own business. When I started my own business, I had absolutely no clue about anything. I was cocky, I thought I knew everything, I had no idea what I was letting myself in for. I knew nothing about strategy, I knew nothing about marketing, I knew nothing about branding, I was like literally green as they come. And the first three, four years in that business, I didn't have any mentors, I didn't have any coaches, and I got whooped, right? Business taught me a few hard lessons, right? Along the way. But eventually, after working it out, getting the right mentors, getting the right coaching, I started to make some breakthroughs. And I took that business, first time I did a million, then I got it to 2.9, then I got it 4.3, then I got it 6.8 million, then I got it to 13 million, then I got it to uh, 24.8 million, I got it to 33.9 million. So by the time I was 29 years old, I had become a millionaire, net millionaire, net in the bank, million, million pounds. Um, by the time I was about 27, I was a paper millionaire. By the time I was about 29, I was a net millionaire. And that was, first of all, so the reason I'm telling you this story is first of all it was the commitment, I'm gonna do this. That, that's like the first thing you gotta do. You gotta, you've gotta say I want it so bad that no one's gonna take it off me. No one's gonna take it off me. And you have that passion and I see that in you, Joseph, a lot. You know, Joseph has that. Yeah, he's just got, like, you ain't talking about nothing, right? You know, you're obsessed. And I think you've got that obsession, that sacrifice, and I had that, and I worked, and I worked, and I worked, and I worked, and and eventually I got it. Now, the reality was that I did that in a finance business and a car business, and it wouldn't matter if it's a construction business. It actually wouldn't matter if it was a software business. I think, you know, you said Mm -hmm. check it, check it, trade. It, It wouldn't matter because it's about you, And if you wanna build a business yourself and it's in construction, my next door neighbor, um, who is worth 200 million pounds, that I actually bought my house off, he sold me, parceled off four and a half acres of his land and sold it to me, right? And this guy's very, very wealthy, he's in construction. You know, I know many, many, many successful people in construction. The difference is, so the vehicle to getting you to become a millionaire in construction So construction and property, which are both aligned, I think is a great vehicle. So I I wouldn't necessarily say to anybody they need to change. The thing that needs to change is you, what you're actually doing, your activities. You know, so for example, if you're going out and you're on the tools, or you're going out and you're fixing things up and you're going out and doing it, your first risk you've got to take is saying, doing that no more. And you need to take that step back, and you need to put people in place, and you need to get it done. You know, and then you need to then look at the market and say, how am I going to scale the market? Then you need to get good at the numbers and scale the acquisition. And then your businesses grow. Well, I don't think there's anyone that couldn't become a millionaire in this room from, that couldn't. Um, from construction mm-hmm. so i don't think they need to change them yep. i don't know there's the answer that you're mm-hmm. looking for but
0: no 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 it's a good yeah. answer yeah there's yeah. no right or wrong answer yeah. it's just what's your take on it and yeah. i think what you've said there which is very very good which i know is very relatable to the room is everybody in the room wants to do property and so most people are doing or want to do who's that in the room everybody well yeah. dovetails so take perfectly, in, yeah. go on yeah so yeah. taking yeah. taking what you've just said there about your next door oh, neighbor so let me shall i give yeah. you
1: i'll give you a bit more because i i skip pretty fast mm-hmm. So I'll tell you actually how I made the million pound. Would you like me to share that, the first bit, yeah? Okay, I didn't make that out of the profit of the business. right? So what I did is, to, to get that by the time I was 29, is I bought my first house at 19 years old. And I bought my first house, because I was working at Ford, I was a little tow rag, I was more interested in partying and going out and having fun, and my manager noticed that, and he was like, you need to buy a house. And I was like, no, 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 He's like, we need you. they wanted to just tie me down. So I went out and bought this house, and I bought this house for like 150 grand. And um, I looked at two houses at the time, one was 200 grand, one was 150. One was beautiful, they're exactly the same house. One was beautiful, the other one was battered, like really battered. So I bought the one that was 150, did it up. A couple of years later, I sold that for about 240 grand, so I had some equity. Um, I used that equity to buy another house, and I sold that house and I used that to fund my first business. So that's how I got my first business started, I got enough runway. After I'd done that and I'd started to create some success, I went out and I bought a property with the profits of the business. And the property I bought at the time was an absolutely destroyed, it was horrible manor house, but it was beautiful. My living room was bigger than this room and the ceilings were like 14 foot, but the place was smashed to pieces. And I bought that and I spent all my money and I did it up, right? And I got it really, really nice. And I, I think I bought that for $2.50 and I ended up selling that for $4.25. So I got near on a quarter of a million pound that I bought together in a few years. I then went out and now my business is doing well so I was able to leverage and get more of a mortgage. I went out and I bought a property. It was up for sale for $1.3 million. But it had be, been sat there for years and no one had bought it. And the reason being is it was this tiny bungalow sat on four and a half acres in Ingatestone, and no one wanted it except me, who was obsessed with it, right? I don't know why, but I was just like, I know Ingatestone's nice, I love the idea of having acres, I love the idea of having land. So I went out and I bought this bungalow, and I ended up getting it for 875,000 pounds. And that to me was like, I wiped myself out to buy that. Like, I really mean it. I mortgaged to the help, I put in every available penny that I had to get it, and I moved out from this beautiful manor house into this uh, bungalow on four acres, and i just had a baby at the time, With well, I, not me, she had just had a baby at the time, it was absolutely nightmare, and it was just horrible and everything else like that. But anyway, I ended up selling that property for 1.25 million just 18 months later. I did it up and I sold it, and because it was more presentable I was able to get the money. So now I took a stack of money out of that, and then I worked hard in the business, and then I, I put down, and that's when I first got to about, I had about a million pound net, of money from building up and doing these things. And then I went out and bought my current house, which I paid 2.1 million pounds for. And I put down over a million pound deposit. Stamp duty was nearly 300 grand, which is horrible. And I bought this property and then I cut a piece of land off the side of it and I sold that for a million. So I got planning on that and I sold that for a million. So that took me back to just a really good position. So I did the first, like, I was taking the profits out of the business and I was investing it into property projects that I was living in and moving along the way and that's how it got me to big lump sums. So in my first business where it was selling cars, um, and I built that to a 40 million pound a year business, the net profit on a car business, if you're amazing, is 3%, 4%. That's the, that's the net profit on a car business. Now, in the business I run now, the net profit is more like 40%. So actually building million banks in this business that I run now, it's actually very, very easy. So the model does matter Mm. that you run, right? But that was how I did the first one. I built business, I used profits to reinvest in property. Does that help to give a bit of context, yeah? You know, that's how I did it originally. Amazing, good
0: stuff, and it's very interesting. There was something I heard Lord Sugar say one time, and that was he did business for fun and property to make money. Well, it's (laughs) it's like
1: business is income, isn't it, right? So business creates income. But it's what you do, if you invest the income into assets and then you can sell those assets for more than you bought them for, that's where you create the big lump Mm -hmm. sums of cash. So that definitely helps. I mean, I love business. and My passion is business. Like I I love business more than anything. I'm actually not a fan of property personally. I don't like it. I don't like how slow it moves. (coughs) I don't like the planning processes. I hate it. It drives me crazy. I like the challenge of everyday Mm. business. That's what I actually love. Mm -hmm. But there's still good money to be made investing your profits in your business into property, Yeah, for sure. Amazing, good stuff. Okay,
0: cool. So um, with um, all of the news and the headlines that we're seeing about the recession and um, cost of living going up and all of these things, I think that puts a lot of fear into a lot of people. Um, And um, for all of the business owners in the room... you know, what's your take on it? Like, uh, and not, not sure what's your overall take, but as a business owner, when you hear these yeah. messages, what do you do? Are you a cut your costs type of guy, hold back and wait, or are you, a, right, everybody else is doing that, I'm going all in. Um, okay, which so... Which camp do you sit? So again,
1: uh, you know, one of the things with me is everything I do is based off experience. So the ex- either the experiences that I've had or the coaching and mentorship that I've had. I've invested a lot of money over the year, years in coaches. I've trained with the best people in the world, and I constantly invest in coaching, right? constantly, because knowledge and having the right information, it really is the secret, because the right information can just help you grow so much. That's so, so important. So the thing for me is when I f- first started my first ever business was in 2008. And I remember in 2008, my dad, bless him, bringing newspapers home to me, knowing that I started my first business, giving me these newspapers going, Adam, you really wanna watch out, you really wanna watch out, and, and giving me these, oh, have you read this, the whole economy's in meltdown, this is gonna happen, that's gonna happen. I was new, right, I was just started a business, I really didn't know a lot, at all. Like Honestly, I was really new, really young, really knew nothing. So I'm sitting there going, oh, oh. All my hopes and dreams, they've been shattered by this newspaper. But the reality, that's just not true, right? So I had a very good mentor at the time, Chris, which is why I mentioned about the mentoring and coaching. And I remember trying to do to him what my dad had done to me. Because that's kind of what happens, isn't it, right? So I'm like, right, I'm going to meet Chris for dinner, take the papers. You know, put the papers in front of him and tell him how he's gonna fail as well. Because I feel shit, he may as well feel shit too. You know that was my mentality. I don't, I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying was that Chris dramatically by any wrong? Times? Yeah, yeah, dramatically, yeah. dramatically wrong. So I go out and I'm impressing upon him and I'm saying yeah. this and saying that and da 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 yeah. da. And he goes, and I always remember. He's a f- funny. Have I introduced you to him?
0: Yeah, I've met him a few times. Yeah, 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 well, yeah, I yeah. Him as well, yeah. Yeah, 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 know, yeah. Yeah, and no, I remember
1: when I sat down with him. He's, um, I remember what he said to me, and he, he turns around and said to me. So I was very new. Yeah. I, was a, I was a kid. I was 24. And he turns around to me and he said to me, Adam, uh, I ain't participating in that. And I, I remember just being confused. And in, in, in he, he's had his ups and downs, don't get me mm. wrong, and he's a character. But I remember he did me this one favour. And this one favour he did me was that. He said, I ain't participating in that. I said, what do you mean you're not participating? He said, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't participating in it. And I couldn't get over his arrogance, I thought he was stupid. So I started trying to convince him why he was participating in it and why he didn't have a choice, and I was trying to impress it upon him. And he went, no, 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 it's not how it works. I said, "Right. well, how does it work? He said, "Well, the way it works is this. He says, is your business in recession? I said, well, I don't know. He said, well, over the last two quarters, six months, has your business gone backwards? I said, no, we're going forwards. He said, well, you're not participating in it either then. Like literally, it was that simple? And I was like, oh, I guess not. And you know what, that one conversation just got me to see it differently. And in that moment, I just didn't worry about it. Then every time someone tried to say anything to me about that, I was like, I don't care about that, my business is growing. And I, and I developed that mindset where it just didn't affect me. It, it genuinely, I breezed through that entire recession. Obviously I was new and I was small. Now if you're in this room and you've got a 10, 20 million pound business and you've got massive overheads and you've got massive mortgages and massive things, you may well have a problem, right? There's no lie. Because if, if you've got a, an operational model that relies on large amounts of sales and there's a dramatic economy change, then you could suffer, right? But as a business owner that's operating as a small speedboat rather than as a yacht, you know, a yacht, the thing we're on, right? In order for this to turn, it's gonna take time. Right, it's ch- it takes time to pivot. There's a speedboat, you can change approaches quickly and you can move, right? So if you're in that business range where maybe you're, I don't know, under two million pound in revenue, you ain't got nothing to worry about, you just gotta go out there and make it happen. And, and the bottom line is this, I'm, I'm such a big believer in this, is that your business grows in direct proportion to the amount of conversations you're having. So if you wanna grow your business, it's actually very, very simple. How many people are you speaking to? You know, and I think that I learned that in the car industry, in the, if I was having a bad month, some people would suffer it, like some of the other sales people would suffer it. I wouldn't, I would just speak to another 50 people, because I know one of them is gonna want it. And that's all I used to do, and, and I, when you take that approach into business, it's just how many people are you speaking to? Because you're only a meeting away, a deal away, a conversation away, a drive away from going and getting your next deal. But the the question is, are you doing the drive? Are you doing the meeting? Are you going on the call? Are you putting that effort in? So so my overall philosophy for this is, is for many of you in this room, it is an incredibly exciting time. Because there will be bigger businesses that can't fulfill their promises. There will be bigger businesses that go out of business. There will be opportunities for you now be careful. Be careful about who you do business with. You know, make sure that you are not entirely dependent on one supplier. I think that's very, very important because if you are subcontracting for some massive building company and they're gone, and you're gone too, right? So you've got to diversify. You've got to, uh, one thing I learned very early as well is understand what your spots are, your single points of failure. What are your single points of failure? Right, so what could happen now that ends you? And if you understand that, and you actually understand what those things are, and you put things in place to make sure they can't affect you, and you bulletproof your business in that way, then you will be absolutely fine. And I think it would actually be massive opportunities for you in this period of time. You know, I, I I'm so I, I don't know if that's the answer you Not would fantastic. look for, but that's very, how, that's how I think about it, right? And I think that's how successful Another thing I'll just say is you, you've gotta be successful in your mind before you ever actually will be successful. You've gotta be a millionaire in your head before you're gonna be a millionaire. You gotta be. You've gotta got to say to yourself, it's whatever you, whatever you can think in your head is what you can hold in your hand. But you have got to believe, and you've gotta believe that you can make it happen. And you have gotta be there first. I think that's really, really important. And and the reason I sort of said to you this is where I was when I was 16 and this was where I was when I was 19 I was saying those things, because in my head, I was going to be a millionaire. There was nothing. The only thing that could have stopped me would be health. You know, if I got run over by a bus, it probably wouldn't have happened, right? You know, but other than that, I was getting there. And I think if you can cultivate that attitude and that mentality, then I have no doubt that you'll get there too. You. Absolutely <laughs> phenomenal Adam thank you so
0: much oh, um, and that's the point that we're going to end on with no that nice. section so that was absolutely amazing pleasure. so thank you very much and no uh, nice. would you be okay to do some questions yeah. now Yeah of course yeah, um, yeah, yeah that'd be yeah. fantastic yeah, go for it. Okay guys so who's got a question for Adam raise your hands Go for it Mick
1: Thank you. Thank you. So what I do now, so the business that I run currently is I have a a business called Big Business Events, and that uh, runs business events for businesses. I have, uh, similar to what um, Josie's doing here, I have a mastermind with over 200 people in my mastermind that I run. I train business owners, coach and mentor business owners. So that is my main everyday business. And what I do do from that business is find businesses to invest in. I have other businesses that I'm invested in, that I work in. In a, in a range of different areas such as software, voice analytics, um, recruitment, tech, all different types of things that I'm now invested in. Yeah, so that's <laughs> yeah. what I do so day you to day. From that, from selling cars, yeah. yeah. How, did you do that, mate? How did I do that transition? Yeah, it's a good question. So what happened with um, the vehicle and the model was, like Joseph was talking about models, I actually got to a point in my life. When I was running that business, I was, I was running a car business. I was 30, 31 years old at the time. I was doing £40 million a year in sales. And about a year prior to that, I'd been invited to start speaking. So one of the ways that I grew the business from like literally start up to a £40 million business was through social media. We had the largest following in the world in the automotive industry, bigger than any of the... Uh, any of it. We were bigger than Rolls-Royce, bigger than BMW, bigger than anyone. I had The largest following in the entire world. And because of that, I, get, I kept getting asked, come and speak on stage. And in addition to that, what I've been doing is I've been doing a lot of innovative things. So where, where people ran car dealerships in a normal way... I would do some pretty madcap things. So for example, at Christmas, I would clear out my showrooms, I'd put ice rinks in the showroom, I'd get reindeers there, I did Santa's Grotto, I gave away presents to 5,000 children, I had like loads of PR, loads of branding, I was being written up about, I had media everywhere, and I keep getting asked to speak. So I started doing some speaking and some touring, and I went over to America to speak, I went over to South Africa to speak, I went to Europe, And all of a sudden, I found myself out of the business a lot. And I just fell in love with doing this. I thought, you know what? I don't want to manage 140 staff. I don't want to drive from site to site, telling salespeople off or managers off anymore. You know, literally, and I just decided that now's the time to change. And I did that about, so I changed in about 2017. And we did a, I had closed that business and in the end, closing that business, I saw we had over eight million pounds off of stock had to sell. And it was, a, it was a difficult transition, I think, at the time. And one of the ways that I helped Joseph actually was, I don't know how much you've shared about that, mm. is because i had been through difficult times as well. You know, I've had ups and downs. I had a business, when I came out of one business, um, I had over a million pounds that I had to pay back in personal guarantees. And I paid that personal guarantees back. And I'd have rather paid a million than sell the percentage, which was the option. Do I carry on in this business? Only 50% of a business reporting to shareholders. I just didn't want to do it. Um, so I went in speaking full time. Um, I did that in 2017. I've been doing it for six years now. And my speaking business now is uh, pretty much the most, ex- I, will say, yeah. I will say that in front of Joseph, but one of the, m- the biggest in this country in terms of, uh, certainly in business. In business training, I have the biggest uh, business network in the country. Uh, that serves business owners. We've got over fifteen thousand business owners that we serve. Brilliant. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, Amazing, yeah.
0: excellent. Joe, next. Good question and good answer. By the way, good. Let's give yeah. a round of applause. Hello, mate. Hey.
2: How this you evening. doing, buddy? Good, thank you, and thank you for sharing. That's Obviously, right. um Your honesty as well, which we I think we all appreciate really across the board because it's good to get an insight into to how people feel, genuinely feel, rather than just interviewing. Yeah. Um, How do you find that, or when did you notice um, that mindset was such a big thing within being a business owner? Because everybody talks about it. We're all learning about it. It's just interesting to see.
1: Yeah, really fantastic question. Um, It really is everything. It it really is a large, large percentage of it. It really, really is. Um, When did I notice? I'll tell you what happened with me, is when I was very young, And I was going through that transition of like, I wanna be successful. I didn't know how I was gonna be successful. You know, I had no idea. I did a lot of Tony Robbins courses. And I went and I jumped up and down, got revved up, did all the clapping and all the hugging and all that, right, (laughs) you know, and and I enjoyed it. And I really liked it. But I actually don't think I realised, longer term, what it did for me by doing that very young. By doing that bit very young, like Tony Robbins, is fantastic for getting you to understand your mind. Not very good for business. Not very good for obviously for other things. But very good for that, getting yourself in a good state. And he helped me do that when I was very very young by going to all those trainings. And I don't know, I, I I don't know when I noticed, but I certainly am aware now that that grounding at a young age and really being into that from a young age has made a big difference. You know, I think it's something that you're all gonna like. Many of you are probably, all do it. how many of you have already done some mindset stuff, you've, you've developed yourself in that way? Raise your hands if you have, yeah, lots of you have. And I think it's really, really important. Um, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but what I'm saying to you is I know, for me, it's massive, it's everything, you know? Yeah,
2: I think, um, like, for me, the last year, um, I've learned more within my mindset, within business, than yeah. I had done in the previous six years of business, basically. Um, and i think it's it's something that i notice people around me within trade mastermind yeah. and other people it's kind of them exploring that to sort of see that they are getting confidence from it if you like so
1: you know what this is what i would say is this is the way i look at coaching and the way i look at mentoring And i'm going to share this with you because i think it's important the way i look at coach i have spent quarter of a million pound easily in fact even just this year 100 grand seracos 100 grand a year so it I've spent hundreds of thousands of pounds on coaching and mentoring, and the way I I look at it in two ways. One, is the transference of knowledge. So if you can get knowledge from somebody that you don't know, and that can save you five years, 10 years, 15 years, fabulous. So that's number one, the way I look at it. Number two, the way I look at it, is the acquisition of knowledge, and you don't always get the instant return, is the change in who you become. And that might be over the next two years, three years, five years, decade. And if, if it takes you longer to, to turn the mindset, and sometimes that's the longest piece, is to turn the mindset, that might take a bit longer for some people, but that's okay because in the end, that is something, it's a skill you've built that you'll carry with you for the rest of your life. And I think that I've carried that with me for the rest of my life. Like my mindset now is I'm, I'm, I'm so free in my mind, Like, I don't worry about things, I don't get nervous about things, I don't care about where I go, what I do, who I'm with. I just love that freedom. And I think that some people don't feel that, do they? Mm -hmm. A lot, and I think you gotta aim towards that. And I think that that's the work that we have to do on ourselves as individuals to reach that level. So I think that you should all do that work. If you have to do a bit of work on it, do it. You know, master that mind, because by mastering your mindset, you give yourself that freedom and everything else becomes easier. And yeah, no, I appreciate the answer. Thank you. Excellent. Appreciate well that. done. Um, sure. if
0: i could just give you my take on that question as well um because i went for an experience where i realized that i needed to start taking the mindset stuff seriously and i've always been a positive person but around about 23 years of age me and chris as many of you will know and um, were business partners at the time and we had a property business we did property people limited and we did rent for rent and um, every time i'd go see him i'd be like chris i've just bought this m3 convertible bmw <laughs> and you know i've had i've been seeing it for like three years and all these things keep happening that keep coming to fruition and you know I, I keep seeing it I keep visioning it and they're just happening and he goes that sounds like the law of attraction and Chris isn't really into the law of attraction I I really really am and he knew what it was and I didn't and so he was like google it so I googled it and then when I typed in law of attraction Will Smith, Oprah Winfrey, mm-hmm. Jim Carrey, Bob Proctor, all these people and literally within like Half an hour or an hour, I'd watch these videos where these people were talking about this thing that nobody had ever told me about before. What there's a way, there's a metaphysic physical law where you can vision things into reality and you can see it in your mind before you hold it in your hand and that you know you have to write do vision boards and everything else. And I was like Look at the people that are saying it because I think mindset can be a buzzword. I don't think people realize the importance of it, and I don't think they take it seriously enough because they don't respect it, because they don't understand it. Yeah, and but when, when, um, you keep seeing people say the same things that have been where you that have been or are where you want to go. That's where you've got to stand up and take notice of this stuff, right? Adam said and repeated many of the messages that you've been hearing all day, yeah, all of the time that you've been working with us. So it just echoes that this stuff is not bullshit, right? Um, and um, I went, I went home, but loads of people think it's bullshit. I went home and told my mum, I'm like, mum, guess what? I found this new magical formula where I can write shit down and then it comes to reality <laughs> in like six months. She's like, what are you talking about? What Joe's onto one of his crazy things again. Yeah, what are you talking nonsense again? Told a few of my mates, a few other people. And I tell these people that are not are not, are not successful in wealth terms, you know, um, and, and not in business and they don't set goals and they're going to me, no, 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 what are you talking about? You're nuts, like that's a load of bullshit. It's all um, voodoo magic. And I'm like, right, okay, who am I going to listen to? right, when I want to get success and business advice. Jim Carrey, Oprah Winfrey, Will Smith, Bob Proctor, or am I going to listen to these other people? And that was when I started to realize that success leaves clues. And I don't just say that word for impact. It's very, very important. Yes, everything that you're hearing today is all you've got to do is mimic it. And, and as Adam said, you know, mindset doesn't change things immediately. It takes a bit of time. Or the advice and knowledge that you get from mentors takes a bit of time. But if you go away from here, you write your goals down. You have vision boards. You get proactive. You're listening to uh, positive, um, uh, positive um, audio and books and surrounding yourself with the right people you cannot not become successful there is simply no way in that environment that you will fail I don't care who you are as long as you show up and you keep repeating those things you will get the results so success leaves clues so if you walk away from here and you don't take mindset seriously they're more for you yeah but not going from here is about saying every single speaker that I bring in front of you every mentor that's um, (laughs) done it is repeating the same message and that's when the penny dropped for me where this is real yeah and I've got to practice this stuff every day
1: I just want to have one tiny thing because I think it'll help you I think every single one of you in this room you should believe that you are special because you are you are that's the way I see it. Like, you wouldn't be here. You're, you're striving for more. You want to be more. You want to become more. You have got to sell yourself on the fact that you are special. And I don't care what it takes for you to sell yourself on that message. Go and sell yourself on that message. It will be very much worth your while. Because everyone I've ever met that is successful has that, that little part of them mm. that says, you know what, I am special. I believe in myself. You know, I believe I can do this. I just think that you should all do that. Because you are. 'Cause you wouldn't be here if you weren't, to be honest. Because I'm sure lots of the people had the opportunity to be here and they ain't here. Alright? So you backed yourself, so you should believe in yourself. Amazing. Fantastic. Next question.
0: <laughs> Let's get something from this side of the room. Chris, good man. Thanks for
1: coming. Chris. Uh, really uh, Pleasure.
2: Do you have any uh um three Business ideas that you think
1: will take off in the next year or two. Very, very good question. Um, The way I am, and this is very important. Like, so I, I am who I am, and I'll always be who I am. I tend not to get distracted. I, what I tend to do is, I tend to work on my business and I drive it on, right? And to be honest, yeah, there's good stuff in the market. There's exciting other opportunities but I am somebody that very, very rarely gets distracted. So to be honest, I ain't even looking, right? Because I think a lot of the time, when you're looking and going, oh, what's gonna, what am I missing out on? You're not focused on what you've actually got. So for me, the way I answer the question, I understand why you're asking the question, and I think it's a very, very good question. And I'm, I'm afraid I'm probably not gonna give you the answer that I want, but what I do is, I already believe what I have is special, and I drive home, and I think you know the, this industry, for example, is a fantastic industry. I think there's a lot of people that are going to need a lot of help over the next few years, and and I believe in that passionately, and that's why I drive into that. So there's nothing that I look at and go, oh, would I want to be a part of this, or would I want to be a part of that? You know, I don't look when the crypto craze is going on, I ain't getting involved. When metaverse is going on, I ain't getting involved, right? Because I know that I'm very happy with who I am, what I'm doing, where I'm going that I don't need to be distracted. And I think that that's that calm confidence. It's probably not the answer you want, but it's the answer that i would give you. And, and the clue in that is that, you know, focus. I, I think that a lot of people, and I've trained a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people, and when they've got multiple things going on, very rarely do they have multiple good things going on. Most of the time, Someone that says they've got five businesses, they've got one good business and four bad. And these four, pulling that one down. And that's why I don't go on wild goose chases and go on different things and I wanna be in this and I wanna be in this and I wanna be in that. I can tell you what I'm interested in in terms of business if that helps. I like tech businesses because of the exits, the scalable, the multiples. So tech, you know, I like. I like personal development businesses because I love the space, I love being in it. Um, and, you know, that's that for me is the, the and property because of the large lump sums that you can make. But I wouldn't be buying any right now. <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay. Hopefully that answers your question, yeah. I think, okay. I think
0: though, um, in, in that, there is, a, there is a very important lesson. And I yeah. think that that is that yeah. you're all in on your business because you're very passionate about what you do and you make plenty of money and the money that you want to make you know what
1: i'm like james yeah. because you said to me loads of times like, let's do this and yeah. i'm always like bang yeah. i'm so focused because i know that I, I know me i know who i am and i know the reasons that i've been able to create success one of the main reasons is that i am focused
2: because
1: mm-hmm. i don't get distracted you know in my first business i didn't do anything else for like 11 years and I saw people, you mentioned Chris, mm. you know, you're Chris. Yeah. He's doing this and he's doing that and he's got Bentley now and he's got this going and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I just ignored it all and I just focused. Mm. Because that, that's the way, it, because yeah. I know that that's what brings a result in. And I think a lot of the time we can get distracted. I mean, how many of you have been distracted at times by this opportunity, that opportunity, yeah. And you don't need to be a lot of the time. A lot of the time you're sitting on a gold mine. You've already got saying, great. You put your time, your energy and your focus into it. You take it to the next level. But That's I think
0: maybe that unearths for Chris that you know if you're looking um, for other things and looking for the the next opportunity, that maybe you're not so happy in the opportunity that you're in, uh, or maybe you don't see the opportunity that you're in serving you for a long time. So your eye is on something else rather than yours isn't yeah. because you're yeah, happy with what it is. Yeah, it's a great question, by the way. Yeah. I think
1: it's a wonderful question. Yeah,
0: but you know, yeah. I don't know. Is that is that a fair comment, Chris? Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay so I'll, answer you, I'll give you a slightly different answer then right if it's the opportunity v- vehicle you all want to be working in high ticket high margin products right high ticket high margin if you're selling something for 50 quid right or if you're selling something for 100 quid you got to sell a lot of it to make any money if you're selling things for 1000 pounds you know to make 100 grand you got to sell 100 right you want to do a million and sell for 10000 you still only got to sell 100 I'd rather sell 100 people at 10,000, right, than I would 100 at 1,000. And send 1,000 at 100. Do you understand what I mean? So I think you've got to work in high margins. So you've got to look at how do I sell high margin, high ticket products. And that's where the focus should go. Because that if you want to make money, that's the advice I would give you. Like big money from big ticket. That's where we want to be. So I would always look at that when I work with a business. I'm always looking at what is... What is the absolute, because this is the thing. When you're running a business, keeping money in the bank is pretty much the most important thing. It's like you don't want a bank account that goes, we're up, then we're down, (laughs) you know, like that. You don't want to be going like that, right? You want a bank account that goes like that, okay? And it continues to grow over time. That's a successful business. So the way that you do that is you have to sell products or services that carry a high enough ticket to pay all your expenses, all your costs, and keep profits. So I'm always looking at, I want the highest profit model. So if I'm gonna start any business or be involved in any business, I'm looking at the profit model. How much profit can that business make? So hopefully that that can answer your question in a better way. And that's what I'll be looking at. And and, And that's really, for me, the key.
0: Yeah. I, and I think on, on that for everybody in the room, that's fantastic advice. Mm. Um, and, you know, I remember when I started out in business, it was service and repair, 70 quid or 100 yeah. quid, you know, and then you're trying to bring people in to do that job for what? An extra 20 yeah, quid? Yeah, it's just By the time you've got untenable. to find that customer, do all of that work, it's absolutely pointless as far as I'm concerned. It, now at scale, all right for a one-man yeah, band, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah. at scale, it's unscalable. You start, it starts to cost well, really. you money to deliver that job.
1: It's okay for a one man band yeah. and it's okay for a 2000 man band. Yeah. Because you've got economies of scale, right? So then you're sharing the cost base. Mm. But what is not is getting from there to there is like nigh on impossible without a problem. So that's why you want to if you're at the beginning, you don't want to be selling those small tickets. Mm. You want to be looking at how can I sell bigger products or services? You know, you're 5,000, 10,000, 25,000, 50,000, 100,000 pound deals. That's what you want to be doing. Because look, you want to make a million quid, ten hundred pound deals, you're there. So while you're working mm-hmm. on that, rather than doing the same for 70 quid, you ain't getting there, are you? Do you understand what I mean? So we've just got to look at how do we use our time, and then you bring the same amount of work ethic to the thing that makes you 100 grand as you did with 70 quid, you ain't going to have no problems. right?
0: And on... Um And on that, um, you know, I've been talking about opportunity vehicle and it's just made me think about, you know, um, being clear on my message that there is also opportunity vehicle within your existing business and understanding that there are other products that you can sell that doesn't mean that you change strategy. You know, when we went into boilers from doing maintenance, that's what brought us in a million pound a month in sales. It wasn't us doing 10 million services. It was a two and a half thousand pound order value. And I think of, you know, Chris, I'm sadler over here is on one of our lifetime coaching clients. And he joined our program saying that he wanted to do EVs. And then very, 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 very quickly we said, hang on you can do solar. It's minimum £15,000 order value, very high margin. Um, you know, you do 100 of those jobs versus trying to do 1,000 of the £1,000 jobs. That's the way to go. So, you know, very quickly, Chris is like, right, well, I was not going to do a £1,000 product. Now I'm going for the 15 grander. So you're upgrading that opportunity vehicle within your model. A lot less work, much higher margin, bigger order values. Um, and at the, trade, at the Trade Mastermind of recently, I've tried, as I shared with you on the break, I'll be open to everybody. I've tried coaching. I've tried um, uh, online thousand pound products. I've tried three grand events. um, And then recently we've done our seven figure boiler academy. It's minimum 15,000 pounds. And now I don't want to sell a product below 15,000 pounds because the amount of work and acquisition that goes into generating that opportunity, I can work with a smaller um, amount of businesses yeah, um, and hot, more motivated clients and, um, you know, get bigger results for them and for our business. So, you know, higher margin, higher ticket um, is definitely where the opportunities are. But you don't have to look outside of your business for that. Look at what you can do for your customers internally to be able to upgrade the opportunity. Yeah. is absolutely massive.
1: And people want it. You know, there's always people that want more. You know, there's always people that want the best. And there's people that always pay for the best, right? So serve people at a higher level and charge them more for serving them at a higher level. So increase your service, be better at what you do and charge them more money for being better at what you do. And that's the mentality, so just add more value. You wanna get more money, add more value, do more for them, and then they'll pay you more. Mm. (laughs) Right, so, you know, I always say is, if you could charge 10 times more for what you're doing right now, who would be the person that paid it? That's your client. And you know, the person that will pay 10 times more, how could you make it worth their while where they would say to you, thank you so much, and they'd love you for it? Well, I mean, that's definitely who your client. That's the person you need to be talking to.
0: Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. And just thinking about your business, Neil, you know, you're doing fantastically well, and there, Neil runs a bathroom and kitchen business, and he's got a showroom and everything else. You know, there are yeah. bathrooms that you can do if you're yeah. in the plumbing and heating world, because I remember when I did them in the early days, two or three grand, right? Then there are bathrooms that Neil's doing, minimum 12,000. Yeah, perfect. Minimum 12,000 order value, higher margin. You know, he's gone away from that small ticket, customer base, Aaron, you're doing the same. You know, high end, big ticket, great margin. You're moving away from the people that want to pay you two or three grand for a bathroom. And then you're hunting down those people that are going to pay 15,000. The question you've got to ask yourself, does it cost you any more money to acquire a 15,000 pound client than it does a 3,000 pound client? Well, if you're using the algorithms of Google and Facebook, the answer really is no, yeah? but it's where you're pitching your business. So you know if you can triple down on what you're selling it for and increase your margin, that's got to be the way to go. sounds like you're on the
1: right track, 100%, yep. of whoever you, the names you were calling. That's perfect. Now you've got to do is spend more money on marketing so you can bring more of those people in. So instead of selling 10 of these a week, or however many you do, 10 a month, we'll sell 10 a week. Um, um, I
0: just want to touch on, because increasing your marketing just reminds me of Neil's story because he's increasing his marketing right now and he's just opened up loads more channels. He's just hired his second salesperson. His business has grown exponentially since working with us. Um, But you're from a big direct sales background yeah selling cars building big sales teams um, huge numbers and th- wh- one of the big things um, that I see many businesses and you touched on this earlier in the beginning that they don't have in place is a sales force you know they're relying on themselves to do the sales and if they're distracted for whatever reason, then the sales stop and that's never a good place to be in business so um do, do you recommend that every single business has a number one priority focus on multiplying who it is that brings in the revenue? You know, having that sales force to grow. Because a lot, with 80% of the businesses in construction, as you said, a lot of businesses don't have sales forces. It's been one of the biggest things that we've taught. Driving sales, hire salespeople, that's how you scale. So would you say that, you know, another way to bring in revenue, without pointing out the obvious, is to go out there and get a sales team?
1: absolutely. But it depends on where you're at in the room, mm-hmm. right? So the first thing that I would do is, if you're on the tools, is I'll come off the tools and I'll get selling, all right? That's what I would do first. And then once you can sell, then i would start training your sales team and I would start building your sales team. And if you can't sell, then you invest everything you need to invest to learn that skill. Because it'll be worth every single penny, all right? So you train yourself, you get good at selling, and once you've got good at selling, then you build a team and you manage that team, and then you keep growing that team. That's the key, all right? So, but what I would, maybe the first move, because I don't, obviously I haven't had the uh, chance to speak to everybody individually, I don't know where you're all at on an individual level, um, but if anyone's still working, mm-hmm. and they're still doing building work mm-hmm. and stuff like that, that's the first thing you've got to stop, you know? And, and that means that the, probably one of the first roles that you're gonna have is being out in front of the customer more, mm-hmm. the client more, and building those relationships, and. And if you've got to do that, I don't know if you've made that transition or not, if you haven't made that transition, that's the first transition. The transition after that is then to build a sales team that can go and speak to the customer and the client so you can come to the top of the business and start to look at the bird's eye view. Make sense, everyone?
0: Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Excellent. Cool. We got a little bit distracted there. Next question. I do, but yeah. that was brilliant, by the way. Distracted in a positive way. <laughs> <laughs> Go for um, it. You touched on before about having sort of
1: different directions and sort of not being able to concentrate on one, and the four yeah. businesses dragging down the one good business. Yeah. If you if you see an opportunity that was outside your original business remit that you thought was a bigger opportunity than what you're currently working in, it was completely off the other end of the scale. You know, would you consider running them both at the same time, or three at the same time, or would you focus on the one that you think would be the bigger ticket? So what I do and obviously it took me a long time to learn this, so I love your question, um, but what I do now is, I did. I was telling Joseph earlier that I had, a, I had a guy come and sit in front of me, very intelligent guy, very, very smart guy, one of my clients in my Gold Circle program, really great guy, got everything together, very, very smart, um, had his budget together, his accounts together, his plan together, his supplier together, had everything, right? He's got absolutely everything. He was desperate for me to partner with him, I looked at this and I'm like, I would never be able to bring the time to partner with this guy. Just wouldn't be able to do it, right? Because I just wouldn't have the time to be able to go and build his business with him. Because if I did that, I'd have to sacrifice my business almost. Because I know who I am and I think you've got to know who you are. I know who I am. I'm very, very focused. So instead what I do is I introduced him to a venture capitalist friend of mine um, who they worked on the business together. They gave me a percentage of the business and literally within 18 months, they signed a a 98 million pound contract with the police forces um, for voice analytics software of emergency calls. Now, I could have walked away from that opportunity, but I didn't. I connected, I took a percentage of the business, now I do nothing, and I've got a very, very, very nice deal of something that I, because I partnered. So what I will do is I do have other businesses, so for example, I have a professional speaking school um, where I teach people to professionally speak, a very large business do that, and I have a partner in that. And the reason I have a partner is because I would not be able to drive and focus every aspect of my time and attention to get it to where it deserves to be unless I had a partner. So the way that I would do that is the way that when an opportunity comes up that I want to pursue, I would partner, I would assign roles, responsibilities, make sure everyone's clear, and make sure that I consider my time commitment and the other person's time commitment before doing it. That's how I do it now. And I do do that. You know, I I invest in businesses now. So, you know, I invested in a tech company literally last week with someone you know, actually. Another apprentice winner, right, as well. Um, Yeah, so um, I do do that. But when I do something like that, I made an investment, as I said, the other week. I said, listen, you will not get any time from me. I will not be present. I will not be attending meetings. I'm happy to invest, but I will not be, uh, you know, you're never going to see me. As long as you're happy with that, then we're all right. And they're like, yeah, no problem. And, and the re- obviously I'll keep my eye on the numbers, but I'm not gonna go there because I don't have time to go there. But, but I just make sure that I'm very clear with the partnerships that I strike, the deals that I do, um, and that allows me to focus. So Did hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, yeah? thanks. Yeah, good, good question, good answer, yeah. well done guys, nice one. They're brilliant okay. questions by the way, brilliant questions, yeah. Next
0: fabulous. question, take one or two more.
1: Nick. goals, what's next for you, just um, to share with the room? Yeah, you know, I, I love what I'm doing now. Um, and really, for me, the brand, it's funny, good, very good question. We've got Great questions, these, these, these uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, for me now, what I'm really looking at is what's really important for me now is I love what I do. I love helping the businesses that I help. And I'm really moving more into more structural stuff to build long-term brand, right? So what I mean by that is focusing more on developing assets. I've just, I spent a week in Wales last week finishing off a a very good book that I've just written, and I want to do more things like that. Um, And I'm enjoying doing things like that because, one, it gets the stuff out of my head, it helps other people, it builds my business at the same time, it builds my brand at the same time, and I like doing things like that. You know, I would like to do more stuff on TV, I love the TV stuff, um, you know, and potentially if things came up on that, I'll do more on that. Um, But then again, it's always, if I'm gonna do anything, it's gonna have a synergy to the business. You know, so it's doing things around branding is things that I enjoy doing now. So really I spend all my time, so it's a couple of things, if you're a new business, spend 70% 70 of your time building relationships, right? So I, I like spending time building relationships, branding and marketing. I hate operations. I hate managing people, I'm a terrible manager. <laughs> That's not really one of my strengths. I'll be I'll be fair. Good leader, but not a great manager. Yeah. Good. Excellent. Good question. Good
0: answer.
1: Right, let's get one
0: more. Who's gonna take the who's gonna take the limelight? Mungo, go for it, champ. Thank you for coming today.
1: Pleasure, uh, pleasure. I've enjoyed it.
0: You gotta be quicker next time, Jordan.
1: Um, and I want to know what the best thing is about being rich. <laughs> and, um, what, what, what did you miss? Because it sounds like you have been through some poverty. Is there anything you miss about being poor? Anything I miss? For example... No. When <laughs> <you're pretty good>. <laughs> <laughs> I'll answer the first bit. Now, nah, look, at the end of the day, <laughs> do you know, like... Uh, how. Okay, so what I like is I like not having to think about things. Being able to do what you want, when you want, wherever you want, with whoever you want, what's better than that? And that's what I like about being, not having to worry about money. I don't have to worry about money. If I want to go on holiday somewhere, i go. If I want to buy a certain car, I'll buy it. If I want to do these things, that's good. And I think that, that for me is, is freedom, isn't it, really? you know. But I'm not bothered about cars anymore. Partly, in the car industry for ten years, so I don't care about cars. I'm not even bothered about watches anymore. I'm not even bothered about clothes anymore and stuff like that. I used to be, but I feel like I've really changed in the last couple of years. Well, I'm not that bothered anymore. Um, but I just like um, it's funny, isn't it? I, I just be I really have been in the last couple of years just through a very different kind of transition in my mind that I'm not that impressed by stuff anymore, and I think that's quite good. And I actually think maybe. Just because some of the people I've spent time with, the people I know, that are absolutely smashing it, absolutely smashing it, they ain't bothered by that stuff. Like a lot of them are not bothered by that f- sort of thing. I think that's rubbed off on me a little bit, where I'm not too worried about flashy things anymore. Where I definitely was. Don't get me wrong. I definitely was, and, and I'm definitely not anymore. So I like the freedom. I like to be able to go where well I want, and I like to be able to, you know, be able to have time. I, I pick my little boy up. I drop him off at school. I have him all weekend. I spend time with him. I like to be able to just be very free. So that for me is what I like now. And I don't have to worry, like I've not, you know, I've been in the position at the early stages of business where you've got a, you don't know where your next thousand pounds coming from. You don't know how you're gonna pay this supplier invoice. I've also been in the position where in order to get through the week, I need to find a million pound. (laughs) That I ain't got, right? So I've been in that position as well. And I know, do you know what the truth is about those two scenarios? They both feel the same. Yeah. <laughs> they actually both feel the same. You know, it's just a, just bigger numbers, right? So I like not that. I like not having to worry about that no more So I don't have to worry about those, those sort of things at all. You know, and, and I think that's a really nice place to be. So I, I definitely don't miss cash flow stresses and things like that. Um, so that's nice, I think, the freedom. And what do I... I don't think I miss anything about not having... The thing is, I'm still as hungry. So when you say, what do you miss? Oh, I'm very, very hungry. and um, very, very set, driven. But not necessarily hungry for more money. I think it's more, ne- it's more like more accomplishments, more results, more success. Is it more legacy? Not, not, not like legacy. i do not think like it's wooly, but like I say, you know what I mean. Mm. But I'm like... No, it's just like I, want, I just like achieving things. I like challenges. I like succeeding, and you know, I like pushing myself, and I like doing that that kind of stuff. But you know, I'm still I'm like I'm not even 40 yet. I'm 41, <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> Got one year. I don't left. I want to be talking about legacy <laughs> yet, though. Do I? I don't know. Hopefully not. Anyway, right? But yeah, hope, building it now, though. Yeah, yeah. you like that, yeah. All right, After good.
0: writing your book, that's why I said that because I thought, right, he's on a he's on a legacy
1: leaving. <laughs> mission. No, 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 An no seven, mission. Necessary.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Alright, let's give Adam a big, big round of applause. Oh.